The purpose of Wealth Talk is to educate, inform, and hopefully entertain you on the subject of building your wealth. Wealth Builders recommends you should always take independent financial, tax, or legal advice before making any decisions around your finances. Welcome to episode 93 of Wealth Talk. My name is Christian Rodwell, the membership director for Wealth Builders, and I'm joined today by our founder, Mr. Kevin Whelan. Hi, Kevin. Hello, Chris. Good to be with you on episode 93, fast approaching the big 100. We are indeed. We better plan something special for that pretty soon. And uh, had lots of great feedback from last week's episode, actually, Kevin. And that was our member spotlight on Iva. And um, in our private Facebook group, lots of people there, you know, loving the story and listening to Iva's step-by-step process there that he's been following to, uh, to get his results. Yeah, it's always good when real people tell their real story because then it's not about us, you know, going on about the program and how committed we are to help people transform and get their kind of wealth plan done in, you know, five to seven years. Typically, they want to hear that real people are doing it, not just the theory, but the practice. And we'll be bringing more uh, more people to share their story every month from now on. So I'm thrilled that you came up with the idea, Chris, and uh, looking forward to hearing the stories of more of our members in subsequent episodes. Yeah, me too. And, um, you know, talking about those steps, then um, today we're focusing on the, well, the pillar of property, but also the strategy of commercial. So um, we've invited Jerry Alexander to be our guest today. And uh, Jerry's got his own podcast as well, the Commercial Property Podcast. Definitely worth a listen if you are into this area. And um, we'll be hearing really... um, how do you get started? So for many people, Kevin, I think commercial property seems like, you know, such a a far reaching, you know, difficult advanced strategy, but we'll hear today that perhaps it's not that case. Yeah. I mean, like anything, you know, uh, if you begin your journey thinking you need to know the end of the journey, you're going to get overwhelmed. But as you'll hear from Jerry, you know, you get started, you start to get some momentum. You don't always know exactly where you're going to go. Something happens in your mind, you go, you know what, why am I looking at something small when I could be looking at something big? And I think we heard a similar message, didn't we? Can't remember the episode, uh, you you know the episode, Stephanie Taylor said something similar, didn't she, on her journey? Yeah, that was back in uh, Wealth Talk episode 82, and Stephanie Taylor, whose strategy was the multi-unit blocks, so that was more in a residential, and today we'll be looking at kind of similar, but uh, in the commercial. Yeah. So, you know, you don't need to have more skill to get a bigger outcome. You just have to be looking in a different place. And I think one of the skills to be having to do that is, you know, we talk about that curiosity that you need to be a wealth builder, Chris, that one relationship opportunity idea. Remember that one? Um, And we're all like that. And certainly in wealth builders, we are, and I am every day. I look forward to what am I going to discover today? And I definitely discovered something from Jerry um, that you have to be open-minded to receiving. You know, the wave has got to be open. And and that really comes from the place of humility. He's a humble guy, and I like that. I love the humility in people because it means they're not arrogant. It means they're open-minded, not closed-minded. They're, they're willing not to be judged, so there's no prejudice. They're not prejudging. So let's hear his story. Jerry, welcome to Wealth Talk today. 
Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome. And today we're talking about how does someone get started in commercial property? So I think you're going to dispel some of the myths in this conversation and show how commercial property uh, investment can work for those of us who are not from a commercial or a professional property background. Yeah, yeah, and for sure. Before we begin, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Okay, great. So I I, um, I work for myself. I started working for myself back in 2000, so um, just over 20 years ago. And I've had a few different businesses, some of which are still going. Um, we have a merchant business, a restaurant, and our main thing, though, is commercial property. We started off investing in resi, but commercial is now our main strategy. Yeah. So let's dive straight into it then, Jerry. How and why did you get started in commercial property? Okay, so um, like probably a few of your listeners, I came across Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad a few years ago and thought, right, I need to be doing resi. So I started investing in residential property to build up. I guess at the end of the day, it was about building up um, cash flow, but also wealth for the future. And I did a few deals and then I thought, how, how do I get a bigger deal? Because a lot of the time on, on these things, people talk about big deals. And I was trying to work out, how do you actually find a big deal? I didn't know what it was going to be. And in the end, I found an office building that was fully occupied. And I bought it at a reasonable price. And that was my entrance into commercial. There wasn't really any more major strategy other than I need to try and find a bigger deal that's got better cash flow. And that's how I ended up getting into commercial. But then as my as I progressed through it, I started to understand how jolly good that sector is. Mm. Well, before we dive into the particular strategy that obviously you have settled with now, Jerry, um, just to give our listeners some perspective, when when did you start investing in property? How long has the journey been? Because, you know, many people, uh, our listeners are at different stages, right, of their wealth building journey. And uh, people often want it to happen quickly. But, um, you know, when, when did you begin, Jerry? So I first started, in, I bought a piece of ground in 2000, which we speculatively built a house on, which when I got out of that deal, I just managed to get out without losing any money. So that was my first baptism. And then it was about four years doing residential before we bought commercial. And then about another four to five years before we bought our second commercial. So it's not been uh, a rush if I look back and I could talk to myself back then, I would have definitely done it faster. Um, but I was doing other things. It was just something I was building up because I was looking at building up long-term wealth. Yeah. So you talked about that kind of light bulb moment. You realized commercial, there was something going on here that excited you. You could see some potential. So so how did that develop and, and what's the main strategy that, that that led to? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, so none of this has really been fully by design, right? So let's just get that out there. I'm not some genius. But but what happened was I, I bought that commercial property without knowing how much influence rental has on the value of property. So over the years, my my primary objective was to increase the cash flow. And I then spotted another building about four or five years later, a commercial one. It was half vacant. And I had to go to the bank and say, right, can we – you know, let's talk about raising some funds for this. And of course, they wanted the revaluation on the property that we'd done originally. That's when the light bulb moment came because we got a valuer in and the value tripled. And the reason the value tripled was because we'd taken the income from relatively modest level up to three times the amount. That's the net income. So the building hadn't changed. Yeah, we'd have made improvements, 
Um, the customers, some of them had changed for sure, but what had changed dramatically was the income and that totally affected the value of the property. So that was the light bulb moment for me. It was like, oh, so this isn't just a passive activity. You can actually be quite active in commercial and add value. Whereas residential, you, you can add value to an extent. You add an extension or, or other parts or gold plate everything. But ultimately, your, your value is pegged back by the properties around that location. Whereas with commercial, there's so much more influence on value based on the cash flow and the net income. So I didn't know that when I started, but then I realized, okay, when I looked at that second building, now we've actually got an equity pot here we can leverage. So we ended up buying another multi-let building, and then a few years later, another one, and now we have a portfolio of multi-let buildings with 200-odd commercial clients in all renting office spaces or storage units or whatever it is that, that they're after. And we've ended up with quite a business, really, from where we'd started with just one or two residential houses. But all the time, the strategy is buying buildings that maybe people don't quite know what to do with, adding value, changing how they, they work or how the layout works, putting in lots of commercial customers and increasing the value considerably, which allows us to leverage for the next one. Mm. And it sounds like there's two aspects to that, Jerry. There's the the ownership, but then there's the operation side of it as well. So, so how what's the relationship between those two? Yeah, great. Yeah, great question. So, you could choose to do the property side. Right? So, we've got a prop co and an op co, one being a property company, the other being an operations company. You could buy a building, do all the refurbishment and whatever needs to be done, effectively the redevelopment. And that would be held within a property company. Then the operating, which there is more on our niche, there is more operating on a day-to-day. And we have an operating company that sits there effectively as the tenant. And we have our staff in there, our customer contracts, our supplier contracts. So everything's ring-fenced in a separate entity. And that entity then pays, well, actually, effectively, it's a management fee up to our property company. So the two of them can sit quite separate. So you could do both, which is what we do, or you could just do the operating company or you could just do the property company. Obviously, the property side is really where you're going to build your your wealth through um, increasing the value of the property. But the operating business that we have has a few employees, um, two, 200-odd customers, and you know there's, there's day-to-day operations, but we've built up a team in there that now run that. But if you were doing HMO or service accommodation or all the other residential strategies it's the same thing you can either do it yourself or you get somebody else to do it for you yeah and jerry you're familiar with uh, the wealth builders process the seven pillars of wealth and diversifying across multiple pillars gives you that peace of mind gives you security gives you multiple streams of income so many of our listeners will probably be invested in residential and um it's the start of a new year it's obviously you know challenging times uh, across all markets, really. But um, what would you suggest is a good way for someone who perhaps is in residential at the moment and they're looking to get started in commercial? Okay. Um, So the first thing is uh, get in the swim, find out what's going on, speak to people. Maybe agents is a good place to start, of course. But find other people that are operating commercial property. I mean, it can be quite opaque this industry and when you're standing on the outside looking in it looks like the curtains are always shut you phone up an agent they don't return your call 
you drive past the building, it's got a for sale sign, you phone them up. Apparently it was sold two years ago. It's it's quite challenging sometimes. But I personally, I think that's the best opportunity about this market because it is a bit more difficult to penetrate. But I don't think you have to jump in with all, you know, both feet. You can start small. That would be my main suggestion. Start small, buy something that has got less risk. Okay, there'll be less upside, but it gets you in the swim, teaches you how to find property, how to finance it, how to get tenants in, how the leases work, all that stuff. So you can build up your confidence and your knowledge. But if if you have your own business, that can often be the first natural way into this is you use your business as the tenant. And it might be that you, if you have, for instance, a pension where you can buy commercial property, you would effectively, your day-to-day trading business would be the tenant and your SaaS or whatever would buy the property and move your own business into it so that you're able to um, collect that rent rather than paying it to someone else. And interestingly, if you're wanting to to actually look at developing commercial as a strategy for, for building wealth, then just buy something that's a bit oversized and then you would be able to potentially get another tenant in to a section of the building that you're that, that you're not occupying to generate more income. And that, that's often the way we teach people to get started. It's just if you've got your own business, use that as the main vehicle to get in as a tenant, but oversize the property so you can start letting out, subletting effectively. Yeah. Yeah. I like the way there you've mentioned, obviously, business pillar. You've mentioned the pension pillar as well. So leverage is key to building wealth. So, you know, multiple pillars there working together um, sounds like a really, really great way to get started. And um, inevitable question, really, with the current climate, Jerry, people listening going, well, God, is now the right time? You know, is this a good time to be investing in commercial? So what would you say to that? Okay, so I'll, uh, if I may, I'll take us back to 2008 through to about 2013 when the last bump in the road. Um, the, the, what happened then was that money stopped. There was no money, right? It obviously, you know, it was the credit crunch. So money ceased to be available, which had ramifications. This time round, I think there's a lot of money about. The government's put a lot of money out. Government, uh, companies and individuals have saved a lot of money. They've not been spending. I think actually there's a lot of money. So it's not necessarily a liquidity problem. I think this time around it's more of a cash flow problem where some people may not be getting the income depending on if they're exposed in an exposed sector. So I think there's going to be opportunity for buying distressed assets. And back in 2008 through to 13, those assets came onto the market. There was Initially there was a few and then there was others that drip fed in as leases came up or companies maybe got um, properties got taken back by the banks because they had to do a revaluation. This time round, I think the revaluation piece will take longer because the government's not keen on people getting kicked out or tenancies um, being broken because of covenants on paying or whatever. So at the moment, you're not allowed to um, cast out leased occupants, for instance. So I think the, the banks will have to ask for a revaluation. When that happens and the loan to um, value covenants are broken, that's when these properties, distressed properties, will start popping on the market. But it, it's important to remember commercial is not one strategy. Some people think commercial probably is another strategy of property. 
it's it's an umbrella, but underneath that, there's many different strategies in different sectors. And whilst retail is maybe struggling right now, industrial is flying, storage is doing really well as well. These are two sectors we're in. All our stuff is 100% full. Office space, yeah, 20,000 square foot building might not have many customers, potential customers right now, but there's a lot of people looking for small space because they can't go to the head office, they're sick of working from home, they need um, some, some place where they can go to work, close the door at the end of the day and go home, but they don't want to be taking on a, a space that's 5,000 square feet, they just want 200 square feet. So there are sectors that are doing really well, and the key is just keeping an eye on what demand is. So if you find a distressed asset, can you develop that to satisfy that demand? So it's just really about getting involved in the market and understanding the different layers. If you're looking locally at the different layers of what's going on, and because offer, the product offer out there, as well as being retail and leisure in different sectors, there's all these other layers like what about the size of the space? What about the quality of the space? What about the contract for the customer? Are they looking at a 15-year lease or are they looking at almost like an incubator space where they do everything for you. And being able to see how all those pieces fit together allows you to spot opportunity. And I think at the moment one of those opportunities is flexible space, smaller sized units, and in more regional locations. And certainly where we have that offer, it's doing really well at the moment. And in 2008 through to 2013, it, it, it it was noticeable the difference because people didn't want to move into um, very long leases. They wanted a little bit more flexibility. So our particular niche does well during this type of this period. But the key thing is just understanding that you're looking at an asset, property, office, industrial, whatever it is, and you're just trying to be creative enough to work out what is current demand and can I adapt this building to suit it? rather than just buying a building and sticking it on the market and hoping somebody's going to take it. Because it might be that the actual layout is now obsolete, but the building isn't. You've just got to reconfigure it. Yeah. Yeah. Getting a little bit creative there. Yeah. And we said at the beginning, Joe, dispel some of the myths. You obviously work with lots of people who are taking their first steps to get into commercial property. What are some of the things that you perhaps hear that holds people back? Oh, crikey, yes. So, yeah, you're right. I do work with newbies. Um, one of the things that holds them back often is familiarity. So they might be doing residential. And it's always easy to go and buy another house, <laughs> to be distracted and carry on with another house, even though they, they want to get into commercial. And I've found a few students, well, they're always, they want to do it. They understand that there's some real good benefits in there and some things like tax, which we haven't spoken about. But but they get distracted by another residential project. So part of it is just staying focused. The other bit is just people are just a little bit scared because it's a little bit different. Most of us have lived in a in our own home for a while and understand generally how the residential market works. And in commercial, sometimes you just need a little bit of hand-holding just to work out how does this thing work. So part of it is um, the mystique that's built around commercial and, and my job really is to try and help people remove those barriers and just see it for what it is. And, and part of it is not knowing how finance works in there and how surveyors work. Cause in, in resi, it's quite 
transparent and you know valuations are are reasonably sensible but in in commercial it's a lot more down to this old boys network valuers can be quite different in their approach to things so a lot of the time it's just the unknown that's holding them back and the 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 fact that they know residential and they want to just carry on with that because it's easy it's kind of the thing they know but ultimately, you've got to take the first step. So my, I always just encourage people to make small baby steps. That's the first thing. Then you can start working up to these big strategies. Yeah. And and no matter what the strategy is, for many people, it's a mind, mindset shift, right? Because it's a, it's a transformational process of uh, what you know and then going into the unknown and, and just being clear on, I guess, what the end goal is as well. So I'm sure that you you have that conversation with people to understand really where does this fit into your bigger wealth plan? Gosh, absolutely. You must get, you must get this to work for you and not against you. You have to work out what it is you want it to do first. Because the thing is, when you're looking at commercial property, there's loads and loads of opportunity out there. But your job, our job, is to spot what is an opportunity and what is a distraction? Because sometimes some commercial properties and strategies will not help you with your long-term goal, but they initially look attractive. So if you don't really know or have a clear idea of where you're trying to get to, it becomes more difficult to assess whether this project you're looking at is an opportunity or a distraction. So absolutely, the first important point is work out your investment, your key investment criteria. Because so it helps you evaluate projects really quickly but also when you're talking to agents it allows you to give them something a bit more specific rather than saying i'm looking for a commercial building where i can make lots of money yeah because that doesn't always work yeah so jerry you've already given us lots and lots of value today is there anything else in terms of someone getting started that we haven't covered that you just want to add before we uh before we kind of share where people can connect with you if they want to find out more i think it's much less worrying or or it is don't worry about this market being very difficult to get into to understand. A lot of the fundamentals are exactly the same as residential and business investment. You, you'll have the same kind of strategies. It's about working out what you want, working out what assets will do what, and I guess using using your 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 background to to work in this market or the commercial market with just a more level head because some people just think it's a completely different thing and it's not. It's really down to the usual basics and fundamentals of business. The key thing, I guess, is when you're starting out is working out, am I going to be a passive investor or am I going to be an active investor? Because in commercial, you can, this is what I thought it was the only thing you could do, you can buy an asset and basically buy an income of 10%, 15% return with a long lease, and that's it. But actually, if you want to build value, you can be quite active in commercial. And I didn't understand that. That's when that light bulb moment came, was actually, hold on a minute. I can actually affect the value. I'm, I, this is not a park and hold strategy, which for some people it is, and that's fine, but you have to work that out up front. Am I want to do park and hold, or do I want to get a bit more active and creative? And, and the beauty of commercial, you can do both there. Yeah, well, thanks so much for sharing everything today with us, Jerry. And, and where's the best place for our listeners to head to if they want to subscribe to your podcast, which I know you, uh, you, you know, done 50 episodes now, I think of that. Yeah. And, um, or just generally connect with you online. Yeah, so the, the podcast is the Commercial Property Investor podcast. It's in all the usual, all the usual platforms and places. 
Um, you'll find me on Instagram, Jerry um, Alexander Commercial, and on Facebook we have a group for commercial investors, just people that are getting started and are trying to share ideas because it can be a bit isolating because it's not quite as um, it's a good thing, but it's not quite as popular as residential. So there's less players, so there's a Facebook group. Same thing, commercial property investors. Just have a look on, online for that. Yeah, great. If anybody wants to look out for me, I'm on LinkedIn, of course, Jerry cool. Alexander. Well, we'll pop all of the links uh, to make it easy for people to uh, get get in touch on uh, on today's show notes as well. So thanks again, Jerry. Really enjoyed that conversation. Brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks, Kristen. So Jerry mentioned there. A light bulb moment for him. It's one which I've heard many, many times from our members. I'm sure you have too, Kevin. And that was reading the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And um, for anyone who's played the Cashflow 101 game, you'll know that he talks about small deals and big deals. And for Jerry, the idea of the big deal was appealing. Absolutely. I mean, it's a seminal book, isn't it? Maybe one day, Chris, you know, we'll, we'll get Robert Kiyosaki on the podcast. I think that would be a good find for us. But no, that's it's a really valuable thing for him to say, and it's it's you never know where you're going to get your inspiration from, and we very much hope that from time to time, you know, we provide that. But wherever you get it from, as long as it stimulates you into taking action, that's just fantastic. So, you know, I could see his journey, and I think he said, you know, I did lots of things, and they weren't necessarily planned. He was just sort of willing to go with it, and knowing that you know he was going to find something, and then. In, and the way we do that in Wealth Builders, Chris, is ideally we like to see a plan because you get there quicker, it's less random. And as long as you turn the wheel of wealth as you discover a new tactic or a new strategy, you know, you get your education, you make sure you've got unbiased support, you're getting connected to people who've got that experience so you can see not just you know, theoretically how it works but practically how it works, financially how it works and all those things. And then you do your DD um, and your due diligence is done and then you move forward into action. And if you do it that way, it's quicker. Uh, but, you know, either way, you know, Jerry got there through the ran- random walk through opportunity and he's done a good job. And I think he stumbled on a really great opportunity in the kind of multi-led space. So very similar in the way residential property investors often will look at homes for multiple occupation or HMOs as a way to generate a bigger cash flow because instead of letting to a single family, they're letting to you know, multi-tenants uh, of all shapes and sizes and types. Um, and he's done the same thing with commercial. And we've got a few clients, actually, because I think – I don't know if we remember – Andy Bedwell talked about this strategy some while ago as well, Chris. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so so Jerry re- referred to it as CMO, commercial multiple occupancy, um, flexible licenses, mixed industrial and office and um, yeah, I mean, you have to obviously choose your pillar first and foremost, and, and that's property in this case. But then within that, which strategy are you going to focus on? And then I guess within the strategy, there's a niche as well. Yeah. And, you know, that was really interesting that he's gone for that. And I think probably as you look at opportunities and look at the timing now where we are in these troubled times, many business owners, me included, actually, um, are shifting from long-term leases to short-term licenses because it gives us more freedom and flexibility not to be tied in for the long term. I think what these times have shown to many business owners of all kinds is the need for flexibility because you know, can't see what's coming around the corner. So you can't plan six years when you look at how long we've been in 
in these times, you know, almost a, a, a year now. So, you know, the challenges are there and I can see he's responded to them very well. And so as well as choosing your strategy, you also got to look at your timing and see what the market is doing. And I think he's found a great one and it's definitely making handsome inroads into his own wealth plan. And uh, long may that continue. Yeah. And whilst we're in these challenging times, it's all about security, peace of mind, and uh, the more pillars that you can have income being generated from, then, you know, that gives that security. And um, one of the other pillars that Jerry touched on was, of course, the pension pillar. And we've talked about SaaS, but that works really well with property. And uh, perhaps just before I get you to comment on that, Kevin, um, it ties in with our latest uh, Trust Pilot review, actually, this week. And there's a mention of SaaS there from Nicholas. And um, Nicholas said, after hearing about SaaS pensions on a podcast, my research soon brought me to Wealth Builders. I had a chat to Gary Whelan and later with Paul Brooks, who has continued to be my go-to contact through the process of creating and now investing our SaaS pension. Kevin and Chris have also given invaluable advice, both in the regular podcasts and webinars, as well as at the SaaS Alliance events when, when we were doing those back in the day. And uh, Nicholas says, I would highly recommend them and have regularly to family and colleagues. And taking control and driving your future financial position is the name of the game. And with Wealth Builders, you'll have an excellent partner to help you achieve your goals. Wow. You know, I keep saying, wow, every time you read one out, because somebody's crafted that. It's in their own hand. You know, we didn't draft it. They've got their own language. And if you think about the number of words you use, they've all been thought through very carefully. And I'm always humbled by that, that people will take the time to say thanks. And just, just out of interest, somebody else might have noted there was another name in there. Um, so Gary Whelan, who's my brother, uh, younger brother, four years younger than me. Um, so he's involved in the SAS program as both a guide and an expert. Um, so just in case you kind of heard that and did a double take, um, that's him. So um, if you get involved with us in SAS in any way, you might well um, meet my younger brother. So if, if someone is looking to get started in commercial property, Kevin, then if they have a pension as well, then there's some real fuel there to um, to accelerate things. Absolutely. I mean, property of all kinds is an expensive commodity um, wherever you are in the country. And most property people, when they set their plans, will run out of money before they run out of ambition. And so being able to access your own pension and turn that into a fuel for a business that you can create a much higher return on your investment and create safety and security in many ways with you know with a property backed assets a regular income flow obviously it takes time and expertise to do that but you know Jerry's decided to do that and it's it's great for him and also he he dropped a little comment it was only a small thing chris but i picked it up i think he mentioned you know this is very much a business not really a property thing it's a combination isn't it there's a business that finds and adds value to the properties themselves. And there's a business that runs the operations. And I think he'd mentioned a few other businesses as well that he's involved in. And it shows you that the skill of entrepreneurship is having multiple assets and multiple ways of achieving and creating value. Indeed. And um, probably worth mentioning, in fact, if anyone didn't download our uh, recurring revenue roadmap, which shows the process that we teach to uh, move from a place of financial insecurity through to security and onwards to independence. And you can uh, download that for free over at wealthbuilders.co.uk forward slash roadmap. There you go. There you go. And we'll be 
diving into some of those other steps over over the next few episodes, I'm sure. Yeah, well, just a just a quick one. I know we the podcast comes out every week, every Wednesday. Um, when will this go out, Chris? Actually, on the 10th. People listening right now should be the 10th of February. 10th of Feb. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting because on the 10th of Feb, I'll be hosting the very first Wealth Builder Clubhouse event. So those of you who've heard of this um, this new social media, it's almost like having a stage and having speakers and having an audience in a room, um, but it's all done online through Clubhouse. You've got to be an iPhone user or an iPad user to get in. So if you're you know anyway a user of those uh, tools as I am, then come and join us on the 10th of Feb every week. It will be running for you know as many weeks as we think it's giving real value and getting traction. It's myself and uh, someone who's on a podcast recently, Ellie Mackay, who's just great. She's a, an excellent host and superb at multitasking, I'm afraid. I, I can just focus on the wealth building stuff. I can't be doing all the, the tech at the same time. So she's going to be working with me. And from the 10th, every Wednesday, from 9.30 to 11. So if you want to tune in and ask live questions instead of tuning into the podcast and kind of listening in, you'd be most, most welcome. And it'd be a pleasure to to meet some of you who we've yet to engage. Yeah. And there's uh, a way for, for everyone listening to engage, as you say, engage and ask questions. So, you know, it's a great way to connect directly with you, Kevin. Yeah. Except nothing's recorded, by the way. So, you know, it's all live. So nothing is saved. Nothing is recorded. So, you know, you're there or you're not there. But I hope uh, one or two of you get to come and have a listen, add some value, add some content, or just ask a question. And I'd be delighted to uh, to be helpful to you in any which way that I can. And I'll be doing that, Chris. will be without you um, for for those periods, but um, you'll be working hard in the background. You'll, you'll be okay, Kev. I'm sure you will. <laughs> I think I can just about hold my own, Chris, without, without you being there. But uh, I think somebody called us Batman and Robin, didn't they, recently? Yeah, we won't, we won't say who's who. <laughs> so uh, that was good. And uh, thanks again to Jerry for sharing everything with us today. And uh, thank you for listening once again. And uh, we'll be back same time, same place next week, Kevin. Okay, until then, my friend, see ya. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget that we are constantly updating our resources inside the Wealth Builders membership site to help you create, build and protect your wealth. Head over to wealthbuilders.co.uk slash membership right now for free access. That's wealthbuilders.co.uk slash membership.